bit. It's like the whole thing. Oh wait, I wasn't actually looking at you. I was looking at the audacity to make sure it was recording. So let me do that again. What does it do? Um, like it's got it's like oh. an arm. Oh. Right. So it comes up and over. Listeners, and kind of it basically it. reminds me of one of those makeup mirrors you see in hotels that are on an arm that will like come out from the wall. Um, but instead of a mirror at the end, it's got a microphone. It, it honestly looks like a real, it looks like a better radio mic setup than Frasier currently has on the show. Um, I agree. This whole thing, and I'm still playing with it and stuff, it's got like different, uh, I don't know exactly what they're called, but it's like, you, you know, you have a mic stand and you have the, the holder that'll just hold it in there. It's got mm-hmm. a regular one. It's got one that's kind of a floating one that I guess is supposed to help sound. All of that whole thing, the thing to connect it, the the cord, the spit guard, everything else, thirty six bucks. That's also my microphone cost. Yeah, my this handheld whole, one. I just looked up like podcast because I was like I was just done using the headset, mm-hmm. and I've been doing a couple other things, recording some stuff. But it's I was like thirty six bucks. I, th- I I think this is definitely gonna be worth it, and it and it has been so far, and I think it. I mean, you guys tell me if it sounds pretty good. You're going to end up with one of these. Having it strapped onto a... T- <laughs> the face you just made. Well, it's funny because I haven't had a desk in three years. So I'm, I'm like, where would I put that? I bought I bought a tiny... So for a while, I was like, I need a place to do this, to do some writing, to do any little projects I have. And for a while, I was really concerned with like where am I going to find a space for this we're going to need you know starting to do the thing in my head where I'm like well I need this space I need this space I need this space uh, oh we need a new room oh, okay we need to start looking at moving like just <laughs> do not obviously doing that but then my brain's going off in that direction and I read this really interesting I think it was a Stephen King short like little short article he wrote and then someone made it into a into like a comic and it was mm-hmm. all about how he had a specific room in the house where as he got more famous, he had a big desk and everything on it. And then he found and he like told everyone to leave and no one could come in. And his kids couldn't come in and how that kind of ruined his writing process. And Ooh. then he got back to a smaller desk and just shoved it in the corner. And then like there's also the TV in that room. So people would come in and kind of play watch TV and stuff. And he's like, I get way more done. Yeah, because it forces you to kind of like this is your time. And, you know, you don't want to get too comfortable. So I bought a. A while ago, I think before we started this podcast, is I have this. It's a very small, like. I think this desk costs slightly more than the whole microphone setup, and it's just like shoved in a corner of this room, and I think it works pretty well. And I'm in it. I feel like I'm facing the corner. I get a little bit of a view out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but the TV's behind you, so you can't watch TV from the desk. So yes, but the PlayStation has Spotify, so I turn on. Oh that through there mm-hmm. and kind of play over here i will say the one thing about this thing is it's like i need to figure out its placement because right now i'm like yeah yeah guys dancing I, I, around I, I, it I, i'm missing you know a third of ryan's face and it's just a real tragedy over here and if, so if you've ever seen my face that's a lot of area to cover <laughs> <laughs> how um, are you i i am i'm good i'm good i am done with two-thirds of my business travel for this month so it's been it's been great. I will have been on seven airplanes by the end of the month. Um, so down right now, I have five flights down, two to go. That's an odd number of flights. So I guess is one a layover. Yeah, and then, yeah. Okay. Uh, as as all my East Coast friends know, getting to the West Coast from the East Coast, especially if you only want to fly out of Reagan, is pretty hard. You basically can't do it without a layover. Because mm. fun fact, 
there are distance uh, barriers on flights from Reagan. They cannot fly more than, a plane cannot go more than 1,400 miles from Reagan because it's a small airport, there's a limited number of gates, there's a limited amount of airspace around Reagan because it's right smack dab across the river from DC and the mall and the Capitol building and everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why you'll, you'll get an abundance of flights to like New England and Florida and to Chicago and Dallas. And then after that, yeah. it's like when I went to San Diego last week for work, I had to connect in um, St. Louis. Do you, and this, this is getting, I think probably a little dark, but I remember this when I lived in the nation's capital, especially living in a post nine 11 environment. Anytime mm -hmm. there's like a, I remember very specifically my, my sister and my nephew came to visit and we were in the mall and not in the mall at the mall, the national mall. Yeah. No, the, uh, uh, oh, mall, mall, the white, the white Flint mall. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. In um, the national mall. <laughs> I was like, Pentagon city. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, we were by the, the, uh, Washington monument mm -hmm. and I started hearing airplane noise and a plane. They're not supposed to fly over there. And I think, I think it was off what, whatever it was. I've never seen a plane like it was coming. It looked. I'm sure I'm being way over dramatic because nothing happened. But this, I hear this plane. I hear a plane coming, and I'm like, "When is that plane gonna turn? It's coming!" Like you start really thinking, like, "Here I am in the nation's capital." I remember when 9/11 happened, and I was at SMU, and I was like, "They're coming here next." It's like they're not coming here next, Ryan. But like, I'm watching this thing, and I'm getting very nervous. And it does a very. It looked like a very hard turn. Like, almost like I could imagine a situation where the pilot was, like, not paying attention or something, like, not, but, like, kind of got too close and took a, it, it looked like, it wasn't like uh, Top Gun where they buzzed the tower or anything like that, but it was definitely, like, they started coming and then it was, like, a hard 90 degree turn getting out of there. So that, believe it or not, is a common approach from that direction, depending on what no runway. No kidding. Yes, depending on what runway you're landing on at Reagan. I've had the same thoughts when I first, actually it was like in 2006 when I came to DC for um, a school trip and my friends and I were like chilling on the National Mall at night and we just <laughs> watched planes. We were sitting at the base of the Washington Monument and just watched planes, basically what, what exactly would you describe? Fly real low and then what okay. looked like a hard turn. Yeah, it's, okay. As a passenger, it's my favorite approach because I call it the aerial yeah, tour yeah. of the National Mall because you, yeah, you, you feel great. like you fly so low and you just, I take so many pictures out the airplane window. Folks sit on the left side of the plane if you're flying to DC because you, that's the side where you would get that view and you never know what runway they're going to use or what approach they're going to take. So just sit mm -hmm. on the left side of the plane just to be safe and have your camera phone ready when i was four or five, i think five my uh i my dad went on a lot of business trips and what my mom would do is would, would turn them into vacations mm -hmm. because he'd go during the week and then they'd stay the weekend and mm -hmm. they'd fly us out there so he was in vermont and this is this is this, the, the basic story is this is the worst travel experience of my mother's life and i don't remember i was apparently a angel child the whole way just like give me another activity book to work in and i was fine because we i'll go another quick story when my mom is looking to try and entertain me it's just me and my mom where i've been uh rerouted to laguardia we go she's like okay let's go to the bathroom i'm five so she takes me to the women's bathroom with her and we're starting to wash her hands and she's like well how do you turn these things on so i'm five so it's like 86 80 you know it's like 87 around the time 19, she, 1970 yeah it is yeah 1883 mm -hmm. and um they were like pour the boo running water indoors <laughs> no um and what they, they that, that was that was my old prospect voice <laughs> It was okay. 1883. 
Oh, um, no. So they had um, <laughs> they had uh, motion sensors, but that it was, is those, fancy for the mid eighties. Right. right, it's Laguardia. So so we made a game out of it. We're running up and down the things, like turning the water on and off. And I very distinctly remember a busy businesswoman walking in. And seeing us and looking at us, and we're like, "Woo!" Like these two hicks from Texas, like turning on and off the water. And she's like, turns around and leaves. So it's, it's funny. Like, I still do a puzzled glance around when I get to a faucet in an airport right, right, that right. has no that's motion. I'm always like, "Wait, what?" Oh, because you know what? It never detects motion. I'm the person right. who's like, I, I'm basically like, you know doing like a like a walk like an Egyptian dance under the faucet, that's trying good, to get it to good. trying to get Thanks. it to. Also, the the uh, paper towel dispensers are a, a joke. Yes. I've s- stuck my hand under one that I swear to God was hand done, and some guy just reaches across and like turns a crank, and I'm like, oh, shut up. Yeah, um, you're so smart. But the where was I going with that? Oh, so it was also the night of a lunar eclipse, and oh. my mom's a big dork, so she knew that it wasn't like you know she could pull it up on your phone. So she told the. Uh, um, the flight attendant and they got up there and they go ladies and gentlemen we've just been you know told that tonight we're, tonight is in fact the lunar eclipse and if you look out the left window we were on the right side I never saw it because everybody went and looked out the mm-hmm. left window and no one let me take a look like we were like can we look and they're like no like everybody was real jerky about it my mom was like I'm never so my mom made this like weird pledge to never tell anyone about anything interesting on a plane again that's funny <laughs> Um, Speaking of old prospector voice and the character of the prospector in Toy Story 2, which was voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Let's talk about Frasier. Did you stretch before that reach? I'm worried something, you might have pulled something. I did go to the gym this morning, so I'm very... Limber? Very very stretched and like, (laughs) and strong, ready to go. Well, let's let's go ahead and get started then. Uh, Hello, Seattle. Welcome to Craniacs. I'm Ryan. I'm Laurel, and, and we're, we're the Craniacs. That's us. Uh, we get together and we talk about Frasier. Laurel being the expert, and me being the 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 pilgrim on his first journey through the the, the troubled lands of of Frasier. Like like if this was the Oregon Trail, where would you say you are right now on the Oregon Trail? Like you're definitely probably at past Chimney Rock. I was about to say, do you think, do I seem like the type of person that learned anything from the game, the Oregon Trail? Well, or like, was I the kind of guy who's like, but Toots has died of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I also Which, by the way, is the name of this episode. <laughs> 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 uh, um, I, I now realize you being, you know, mildly older than me, we may have been playing different versions of the Oregon Trail, and if you were playing the really pixelated version, yeah, you probably didn't learn anything. Oh, yeah. I love the The, the one where it was always like, I gotta go hunting, and then it's like, squirrel, squirrel, yes. rabbit, buffalo, and then you shoot the buffalo, and it's like, you can only take back 50 pounds. It's like, yeah. why didn't they just make the buffalo 50 pounds? Pa- like, oh, I also as a game designer, now I have issues. That if you ever got a little cocky and shot, like, a bunch of buffalo, then in the next, like, few hunting rounds, there would just be nothing. And they'd be well, like, and now you're starving. <laughs> well, the, uh, I don't think they do it. So there's, have you ever heard of the video game Red Dead Redemption? Yes. So in the first one, I don't know if in the second one, there's a... So, like, you can run around, you can sh- shoot bear, puma, mountain lion. You can do whatever you want, and they'll respawn new ones. But there is a set number of buffalo in the game. And if you kill them all, there's no more buffalo in the game. Like, there's a herd... And if you go, I always thought that was interesting as kind of like a, 
why don't you think about what you've done in this yeah. video game as opposed to just shooting everything willy-nilly? Of course, they took away. In the second one, they went, no, we can't. No, people didn't like that because they missed things. Question, is mm-hmm. a buffalo, are, are they, like, endangered? Are they... Pretty sure. Protected, at least? I think they are protected. Okay. Why don't Why don't you start telling us what this about our first is. episode, so, and I'll do a little buffalo... Recon? Research. Um. So we are talking about... We are on season four. Our first episode is episode three, The Impossible Dream. And the Netflix synopsis is, Frasier tells Roz he's bored with the quality of the callers he's been counseling lately. Netflix, once again, coming through with the least helpful synopsis. That's awful. As I read this, I went, wait, what was this episode about? All right, let me read you the IMDb one, which I think IMDb is our new gold standard. Frazier is tormented by a recurring erotic dream in which he wakes up in a cheap hotel bed with Jill Chesterton. Gil. He desperately Gil. searches for any... Oh, sorry. For Gil Chesterton. He desperately searches for any psychological explanation besides the obvious one. Um, real quick, before we go to that, the American bison, or simply bison, com- also commonly known as the American buffalo, is a north... Let me just, let me just search... Uh, Are buffalo endangered? <laughs> endangered. Because you can have bison burgers. So, like... I think I think well here's the thing is we almost killed them all I think here's here's uh, this is a big article and I don't care to read it all um so <laughs> I think we almost killed them all in, in during the wild west it, so the Oregon Trail you're saying basically yes yes the Oregon Trail well not specifically the Oregon Trail but yes I think there was a big problem with that I think we've brought them back since so the it's funny the bits the different locales I know in the American West it mm-hmm. is basically all due to the Oregon Trail. Um, right. Yeah, so like I like Laramie, Wyoming. I'm like, oh, Fort Laramie, of course. Yes, <laughs> I know where that is. Or someone I knew had a, like a sibling or they were, or their parents were from Walla Walla, Washington or Walla Walla, Oregon. And I was like, oh my God, the last fort on the Oregon Trail where you could either turn to go to the Willamette Valley or restock supplies at Fort Walla Walla. Everything was really expensive at Fort Walla Walla too. I did not pay that much attention to this game i'm i'm finding out yeah i am you missed out on a lot of things i am playing a game (laughs) butt toots yeah butt toots didn't make it past kentucky um did they start didn't even start because i started in missouri in independence missouri all right well are are we all right let's move on to the impossible dream (laughs) (laughs) aka Um, ryan winning the oregon trail the impossible dream (laughs) how did you how'd you like this one um I was slightly bored by it. it really? I really like this one. It felt like it dragged a little, but this could also be because I just remembered this one pretty well. Right. So I was just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, I I liked it a lot because, A, two reasons. One, I liked, um, you know, we got a, an episode where Frazier got to really dive into psychology. Like, this mm-hmm. was a, you know, I always talk about how I like the, 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 where they do the psychology jokes. This whole thing was one big psychology joke, and it was fun to watch the writers kind of play around with that. Mm-hmm. Um, two, boy, when I read the synopsis, I was worried it was going to be very, very homophobic. And yes. I think it, if it felt more, he, he didn't seem super upset that he had had a dream of a man. It was that it was Gil in particular. Yes. Yes. And, and there was a little bit of stuff where, where you could tell Martin had a hard time with it. But overall, I, I liked, I, you know, I, I thought they did an okay job. Again, this is 
cis cis white straight guy explaining how he felt a nineties sitcom handled homosexuality. Well, and, and I'm jumping around a little bit in the episode because I, I watched it last night, so it's and I watched the second one this morning, so that one's not quite as fresh in my mind. But I really enjoyed the part where he's talking to where Fraser's talking to Martin about like his habits that could suggest that he's gay and he's like didn't you ever wonder i didn't play sports as a kid i you know was into musicals and everything and and i was like i and also as a as a straight white lady i i it makes me wonder like do how what am i trying to say what is i'm curious as to what is the first time that you, that somebody who is gay starts to wonder if they're gay and i doubt that it is the hobbies that they enjoy but mm-hmm. or is it because I feel like Tim because Gunn... Because you don't know. Yeah, and I feel like Tim Gunn from Project Runway has talked about how he, like, his siblings would be at, like, soccer practice or something, and he wanted to, like, sit under the bleachers and flip through fashion magazines. Well, I I always... I, you know, again, I feel like the, the second the second uh, titles of this could be, could be uh, straight people apologizing for being straight but um i i always find characters in 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 in, not even just characters but i always find myself gravitating because this is the kind of person i am towards uh tara's tara's got a, a, a a gay friend who's not typical or stereotypical and that's the thing i find i i i long for the world where it's just you don't look at someone and go, they're gay. You don't look at someone and go, they're straight. It's like, oh, like all of a sudden you meet someone's husband. You're like, I had no idea that mm-hmm. you had a, you, you, a man also had a husband. Like it, it's, it's, I, I think it's weird. And, and a pro, it, it's probably a good example of, of, of upbringing and how our society pushes people into boxes mm-hmm. that there is a quote unquote stereotypical gay Attitude, or at least there was in the '90s, or and some of it may just be the ability to identify people. That was the only way you could identify people back in the '90s because it wasn't people. Not as many people were out. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea. You know, anytime in a movie where it's like some slobby, nerdy, fat dude, he's like, "Oh, also I'm gay." There was there was a show I watched an episode of. I think it was it was with Adam Pally, and Adam Pally was like me, and then also he was gay. It's happy endings. Yes, like his. I, first of all, everybody go watch Happy Endings. It's on Hulu, I think. It is. I, I regret that I did not watch it when it was on because it's fantastic. And yes, Max. Yeah, he and and I love characters like that where it's not like I I don't like the idea that the first thing in a a character bio is is it's like this person is an engineer, this person is a is a is a construction person, this this person is gay. Like yeah, it should it, it was, should be it was not like the defining characteristic of his character whatsoever mm-hmm. and i think it'd be fine if it was but also i don't think you know as a show written by people who probably aren't like you know and, and fraser like back in the 90s that was what it was it's like what is this person's character trait gay mm-hmm. and then gay meant a very certain thing and i think the idea of i i like when when you know tim gunn yes he went and did fashion but like there's People who are straight should be able to go do fashion. People yes. who are gay should be able to do whatever it is that is considered the straight thing. You know, like yes. 
it's just I don't know. I I, I I don't like pigeonholing that sort of thing. Now, in the nineties, yes, probably. And I feel like the way people were raised is it may have pushed them in those directions or maybe pushed them away from it as you know, as they're dealing with whatever society boy we're gonna I, I don't want to edit this because i don't want to feel like i'm editing my words but at the same time like please excuse me if i'm saying anything anywhere close to offensive um email us and let me know so i can yeah. learn yeah. um I, I would, I would love it's back on this i promise you i'm trying to have it come from a very uh loving place but i don't i don't think as someone because as someone is gay we should view they they should do a certain thing or they they should fit a certain stereotype mm-hmm. and i like to see that reflected i think that happens in real life i like to see that reflected more and more in these kind of things i did however the, the part where martin kind of gets a little like oh like it's, it's you had a dream about a man he doesn't want to talk about it like it's more of a of a thing i mean also dealing with a potentially closeted gay man, got gay actor. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But like him, like just cleaning everything, mm-hmm. and he's just like getting really nervous. I think they did that a little bit better. Like obviously, that's something Martin's character deals with. He's he's made some jokes in the past that has to, has to that exemplify that. Um, I like when he says he's kind of arguing to Frazier about like like there's this kind of this bit where Frazier's like well you wouldn't like that if I was gay and he says you wouldn't take me to West Side Story he's like well that's because there were gangs in it <laughs> I was to say like d- like d- d- dancing gangs are scary I'd say they're scarier or something like <laughs> yeah, that yeah 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 I, I think he's very defensive. He's at the same time saying because he's I was worried it was going to go in a direction of I'm sure you're not gay and it didn't, you know, like it, it felt like it felt like for a minute Martin was assuring Fraser that he wasn't gay, but then he was saying, "No, I think you would have known by now." And I liked the bit where he's like, "You think your subconscious would have kept quiet until this point?" No. Yeah, I I, I loved that part honestly when he was like, "You would have known by now," and yeah. it's it's interesting. So, true story. If I'm like walking around, so I live in you know I live in DC. I live in a, it's a very liberal city. Pride mm-hmm. was last weekend. I was out of town. I missed it. But basically, the entire city is drenched in rainbows right now. It's amazing. Um, drenched is just the best way to describe it. Um, it's a very good adjective. And uh, but if I'm uh, if I'm walking around DC and I see two older gay men, like you know, holding hands or whatever, I actually get choked up because I think about how hard their life must have been mm-hmm. up until like you know the last gosh maybe twenty years, maybe even less, and. <laughs> It's one of these things where I just like want to like 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 pet their arms or something and be like I'm so sorry about everything you probably went through. Have Have you seen that Key and Peele sketch when about gay marriage before gay marriage uh, was made legal? I don't. I don't think so. Where it's like it's like a news report. And she's like, we're on the steps today of the Supreme Court where gay marriage has been made legal, and it's it's Key and Peele, and and uh, Peele is like. Oh my God! This is my husband. We're getting married. I love him so much. And Key is like looking at her eyes, like, "Well, we said this would be a conversation we'd have. Uh, didn't know this was going to happen so soon." Um, and he's just like avoiding the subject. He's just like, he's like, "Oh well, I, I honestly, we thought it'd be years." And, and he's like, "We're getting married. We're getting married today." And then oh my Key's God! Like, okay. Well, can, I don't know. Can you please post that to the yes. group? Because I would love to. I would. I would love to see that. Um, that that's great, but anyway, <laughs> getting a little bit more lighthearted about yeah. this episode. Um, I I enjoyed 
I know I said that I didn't really like this episode, but one thing I enjoy is when Frasier is off kilter. Like, Frasier the character. Yes, he's a yes, little yes, yes. out of sorts. And I, because I really, I, and he's not the know-it-all. He's kind of like, oh, what's happening? I, I just mm-hmm. really enjoy those episodes because I think Kelsey Grammer plays it really well. And it's also fun to have Frasier not be the smartest guy in the room and have other people kind of, like... Well, because I think that's the point of his stuff. Yeah, I think that's the point of his character, and that's what gives it. You know, if it was a show about how psychologists are always right, it wouldn't have mass appeal. And I think the it it it, it does a good a uh, 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 job of of both. I think elevating some people into kind of some bigger like this is a whole like we said this is a whole uh, episode about how it's okay to have a gay dream. And mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety whatever, that was probably a heck of a concept but at the same time it's also not like and Frazier's always right it's like we're gonna bring yeah. Frazier's off kilter like he's human too they humanize him as well as kind of elevate him in some cases no it's true it's true and and correct me if I'm wrong again I didn't watch this episode incredibly closely because I was like oh I remember this episode um I feel like at the station they're not all like whoo Frazier's gay you had a dream about uh, Gil yeah they're all it sounds like they're all well it's it's they're all like you were dreaming about Gil yeah. It's not. It, yeah, hey, it's, it, yes, it's not yeah. the like homophobia. It's just like, hey, you're dreaming about a coworker, and the coworker's Gil. Yeah, I think it's, and even Gil is is kind of making fun of him. I I like this one a lot. I think we've gone a little. I mean, the whole point is the the second point to it past the whole is is Fraser Gay is um him trying to figure it out. I liked him sitting down with Niles. I like that Niles felt like he had no judgment up until the point where he knew it bothered. Frazier and then mm-hmm. he's like oh well I'm gonna needle him like a little brother does mm-hmm. I, and I'm I enjoy, wondering I enjoy when Frazier starts out at, at Nervosa with Niles that is like a man in my building stopped me on the elevator about a dream and what does he say he's like Frazier that, that that hasn't worked since we were in knee socks what was your dream about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just get past that um I also like the part where they did uh, free association. He's like, what do you remember? I, was like, I remember a crescent lamp. Crescent, moon, Daphne moon, French maid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Niles, I, you, were I, three, I just... you were three words away from a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, does, it does remind me, though, I've, I think we've talked about recurring dreams we've had. I think we've talked about the, like, nightmare we both had that's very common of you get to, like, the end of a class in college and it turns out you haven't been to class or it's mm-hmm, the final mm-hmm. and you haven't been to class and everything. Um, I remember once I talked to my therapist about recurring dreams and she was like, a lot of people have made a lot of money off of dream analysis. And she's like, and yes, there are some like common things we can pull, but she's like a lot of the time, like dreams are just kind of dreams or it's going to be really hard to connect the dots. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you've got a therapist saying this, I would say that their opinion is probably carries more weight than mine but uh, from my own opinion i the 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 idea of the episode that if fraser can figure out what it is it'll help him get past Mm -hmm. the dream i have a similar thing i think sometimes where the ones that are recurring and that creep up are ones where those issues have like returned and become an issue again like worrying that i'm not getting something done Mm -hmm. on time those sorts of things financial problems but the whole like we can if i can figure out what this is it helps it go away Yes. No, I I, th- I think that's the thing. I th- my, my therapist was more like, don't stress too much about recurring dreams. Don't kind of don't do what Frazier did. Don't drive yourself like crazy over it. But yeah. Frazier was like, I'm losing sleep over this. So then it's like, okay, I guess maybe you do need to unpack it a little bit. But um, a recurring dream that I had that I actually looked up what it meant and everything. I know I just said dream analysis is like 
hooey, but... Um, oh, but it's also fun. Hooey can fun. be fun. Yes. Hooey's <laughs> a lot of fun. Maybe that's the episode title. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Butt Toots has died of dysentery. It's not going to be that, but we'll maybe work in the Oregon Trail. Um, is And it was, it was really funny because it's... I could tell you why I figured out what it meant because of when it stopped. Um, I had a recurring dream that I had lost a ring. It was not a ring that I own in real life. Mm-hmm. It, the ring changed with every dream. Um, sometimes it was a ring with like an engraving. Um, sometimes once it was that uh, my friend asked me to hold her engagement ring and I lost it. It was, um, but always that in the dream I lost a ring. Again, this ring does not exist. It's not one I own or anything. It was never the same ring. Sometimes I would even wake up and like sleepwalk to my jewelry like dish and fiddle around in it looking for the ring. And it wasn't there, obviously, because it's not a real ring that I own. Um, so I looked up, like, what this could mean. And a lot of it was like, um, the person that gave you the ring, you don't feel confident in the relationship. Like, no, no, this isn't a real ring. It's not a real ring that exists and everything. But it said, um, one of the things was just, you are worried or are insecure about a relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic. Like, some relationship you have. And a ring, like, because a ring symbolizes, like, commitment to people. Is- and this is how Laurel cancels the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then one of my best friends asked me to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. She had gotten engaged like six months earlier and then like asked me to be a bridesmaid. And then the dream stopped. Oh. And she has a lot of friends. And I think that I was preparing myself because this has happened to me before where one of my good friends got married and did not ask me to be a bridesmaid. I was very hurt for a long time. I think that my like mind was preparing myself for the fact that like I might not be asked to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. And I was asked to be a bridesmaid and then the dream stopped. Did you tell her about this dream because that no. makes you a character in a romantic comedy? You're like a side like in some <laughs> I did not tell her. And there's Laurel, the loopy weird bridesmaid who's like, "I had a dream about this." <laughs> but see, that's the thing is like I didn't have a dream about it. Like this is just my own speculation. But it's just, I remember, like, maybe a month after she asked me to be a bridesmaid, I was like, I haven't had that dream anymore. There you go. So, anyway. Um, do you have anything else on this one before we... Um, I, I, I do not. I I like this one a lot. Like, even talking about it now, it's possibly one of my favorite episodes. It's my favorite, like, no-stakes episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. liked it a C- lot. Contained. It's almost a bottle episode, except they're not in I... the same place. I think it may have beaten out the... For some reason, I like gay episodes of Frasier, but it may have beaten out the other one. I like this one a lot. I think because it, it dealt with psychology. It had beat some good... the matchmaker? Mild, I may have to watch the matchmaker again, but I, I would give this one... That has been your, like, gold standard. I know. I would give this one... Uh, I think I'll give it an eight. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you were about to give one. it ten. I was no, going to no, be no, like, no. oh my god. No, no, no. It, but if, it's, if someone were to ask me, like, what's a good Frasier episode... I would put this up there as like, you should just watch it. If it was on, I'd be like, oh, watch this one. It's good. It tells you a lot about Frasier real quick. But I would give it eight, uh, what I thought was a real tattoo for oh. Kelsey Grammer. I immediately was looking up like, does Kelsey Grammer have a tattoo? And they forgot to get rid of it like when that first shot started. Got it. I'm going to give this, you know, as long as you're talking don't about let it, me, maybe like, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, don't let me incur, no, I mean, you know. I'm wavering between six and seven. Um but I could, I could see giving it, because it is at least one I remember. Um, I could see giving this seven um, towels tied around one's waist post shower, um, or or chest when that one 
Cinemax actress showed up for two oh, and a half seconds. Yes, yes. Um, but oh. yeah, also, I, I don't think I've ever thought about Gil's physique, but I always thought he was perhaps a little like larger. I yes, I assumed he's a little maybe paunchy, and I was like, he is slim. Well, that's the thing. Is this his first appearance this season? Because he maybe he lost some oh. weight. Oh. And he's hairier than I thought he would be. Um, you you and body hair. You are just... I actually wondered so. if you were going to comment on what I thought Kelsey Grammer's very modest chest hair. Yeah, I think he I think he trimmed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that until just right now. Um, the other thing I, I kind of want to talk about real quick in the episode is the, the final dream Frasier had when <laughs> Sigmund Freud yes. came. I thought that was such like a perfect Frasier joke, but yes. it was so goofy. And then the way Sigmund Freud like slowly gets in bed and then just holds his arms out. It's like not erotic at all. Yes. Um Wait, what did yeah. IMDB what was the IMDB rating for this? Uh eight point something. This one's got this I it's eight point four. Eight okay. point Yeah. So not as good as the two Mrs. Cranes, uh better than Love Bites Dog. Okay. Um so my my dream thing I was gonna go into. Uh did you want to hear... I, there's part of me that wants to complain. I, I don't want to obviously use my doctor's name, but boy, the whole kidney stone thing oh, was that's a freaking right. nightmare. Yeah. Well- so first off, they went up and looked, and there was no kidney stone. So, because again, the first time he looked at it was May 13th. It is mid-June now. So it passed on its own, and he took too long to do this this procedure that he said he should do in a week and a half. He's like, we'll do it next week. So it was gone. So I was under for about six minutes. They took a peek. Nothing going on. Everything's fine. Uh, I proceeded to have a dream that I was at a Freddie Mercury concert, which I heard is weird to have a dream while you're in anesthesia. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever dreamed when I've been under. And then I woke up and I just started laughing. And they're like, what? And I'm like, well, that was nothing. And I was just like totally awake. They're like, well, can we get you anything? I go, yeah. Can I get a water and an Italian hoagie? No tomato, no onion. <laughs> Wait, is that a common sandwich order for you? Yeah, I love Italian. Oh, okay, hoagies. okay. I, I, that, and, it would be like me ordering. I don't ever order Italian hoagies, so it would be like, well, because I hadn't, I hadn't eaten yeah. in the night before. And she goes, "Hold on," and she leaves, and she comes and she goes, "All I could find was a ham sandwich." Oh, that's so. so nice, I, I had though. a ham sandwich and some sugar-free chocolate pudding. It was wonderful. That sounds that sounds great. It was a really good sandwich. To be honest, it was a it was it was like a fishing sandwich where it's like really wrapped tightly oh, in yes, cellophane. Yes. And it had a good uh, ratio of ham to cheese. Oh, it was it was a really it was a solid sandwich. And I also hadn't eaten in yeah. you know I was about to fourteen say, hours. W- w- was that helping the sandwich quality? <laughs> probably. You were, you were really. I, I, and it was also probably the low bar of you're at a hospital. But I told Tara like if anybody if anybody's like what hospital do you like in the air? I'm gonna go Cedar Park Regional. That's the best ham sandwich. Best ham Great. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so, you know, the, the long story short on that thing is, if you're in the Austin and have a recommendation for a good urologist, send us an email, because I am not happy with mine after a bunch of stuff that went down that I'm leaving out. Or if you'd like to, I don't want to obviously get into slander or libel or whichever one's on the air, but if you want to, if you're looking for a urologist and want a don't go to this person recommendation, send us an email and I'll get back to you. I mean, that's honestly... that. All of my doctor recommendations come from friends. I don't do, like, reviews or something. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to, to hear your friends' thoughts. Like, I've discouraged people from going to, like, a doctor or a practice I used to go to in D.C. Not because the it's, doctors were bad, but they just weren't great, and they were really weird about insurance, so. It's it's absolutely the worst scheduler I've ever dealt with in my life for anything. 
doctor's health, any sort of uh, customer service I've ever dealt with. Table. And then the way, and then the, yeah, and then the way the doctor uh, responded to their behavior made me think, oh, you don't care, or you're buddy buddy with this person, and it was, is, is terrible. Anyway, uh, episode four? Yes, I can, I'll, I'm just going to continue to read the Netflix synopsis just so we can mock it mercilessly. Let's go for it. Episode four A Crane's Critique. Also, kind of a not great episode title. Um, while out with Martin, Fraser and Niles unexpectedly spot one of their favorite writers, a reclusive man named T.H. Houghton. So that one's better, I think, than the last one. They have a, they so they either, so it's either one sentence that picks up on a very minor plot point, or yes. they describe the first two minutes of the episode. That's right. That's Netflix's mo. <laughs> Uh, this one's same thing. Frazier and Niles are thrilled to catch sight of T.H. Houghton, a reclusive author from their youth. They are aggravated, however, when Martin forms a friendship with the man, but they are constantly unable to meet him. So, like, they, th- IMDb does a good job of giving you the second sentence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, what'd you think of this one? They would say on the West Wing, the next ten words. And what the are the next... ten words after that? And what are the ten words after that? For those who are fans of episode uh, five from season four, Game On, my favorite West Wing episode. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a moment. Just went down. I visited my old roommate last weekend when I was in San Diego for work, and he and I both love the West Wing. <laughs> Your old so roommate much. Jed Bartlett. <laughs> <laughs> um, we 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 are known for only speaking in West Wing quotes to each other and just randomly dropping episode titles into conversations. So we watched approximately like seven episodes of the West Wing last weekend, including guys. Does one. Laurel know how to party or what? <laughs> we joked about this. So <laughs> in my def- actually, I'm going to tell the story because it's funny. Um. One of my good friends from L.A., who also used to live in D.C., came down. And so the three of us, plus another friend of his, went out on Friday night, like, in San Diego. Like, unst, 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 unst. Um, So. No, thank you. I go out. We Actually, great bar recommendation in San Diego. Trailer Park After Dark, which is this underground <laughs> bar that is... Um, it has different trailers all around it and it has like mm-hmm. lights look like solo cups and the seats at the bar are shopping carts um and everything is like tried looks very white trash but it's a lot of fun anyway some uh, some hillbillies convinced laurel to hang out with them and she's trying to turn it into a, a club <laughs> experience yes i'm trying to turn it into hipster y'all welcome to my trailer park after dark Ooh, is this a new club oh yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> like the guy at the front door like is wearing you know a cut off flannel shirt and you know um, has a mullet and stuff um anyway uh, so yeah, I really wasn't a trailer park. No. Um, anyway, so we went out, you know, at one point someone bought shots. It wasn't me. Um, and then we go to like De Club, called the Tipsy Crow and everything. Um, and so fast forward to Saturday morning. So I live in Washington, D.C. It's a pretty social city. I go out kind of a lot. So I like, you know, wake up. I pop some ibuprofen. I drink some water. I'm like feeling pretty good. My other two friends last went out in like february and a year ago yeah this sounds awful so they are like rough (laughs) really rough um to the point that my old roommate who once ate in one sitting 36 mozzarella sticks from tgi fridays um can't even eat lunch (laughs) this story is just like an easter egg hunt of like weird like (laughs) i have friends we only talk in uh West Wing stories. We hung out at a trailer park. I had a friend who ate 36 mozzarella sticks. Like, to you, this is this endearing story, but, like, for us, this is, like, a cry for help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so 
After By the way, I'm not past eating 36. That sounds wonderful. That's the the most I've related to this entire story is like, ooh, 36 mozzarella It was back sticks. when TGI Fridays did endless apps and they would just keep bringing you. So he, we did a whole thing to see how many he eat. There were like 20 of us at TGI Fridays watching him eat these. And then how the next could day. could put in his mouth at once? No, he didn't do that. He didn't do, oh. he didn't do that. He wasn't. He's not a monster, right? It was a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. So I think we were there for six hours. Um. But, and also what's funny is the next day is when I proposed that he be my roommate. So I was like, clearly I knew what I was getting myself into. <laughs> what, who is this person? Do I know them? No. You seen oh. them on Facebook and you were like, oh, this is that person. He's the one who I said was like, oh yeah, I've been listening to Craniacs. And then was like, wait, Ryan lives in Austin? And I was like, you don't right, listen right, to Craniacs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, all of, where was I? Oh, so anyway, everybody, not me, but everybody else was so hungover and like spent from Friday night that we just ate frozen meals and um, watched West Wing on Saturday night. It was amazing. I also had to, I, yeah. I had to be at the airport at 530 the next morning. So that had something to do with it. So anyway, <laughs> we do know how to party. We just also know how to recover as well. Let the record show that this that when when Laurel was challenged about whether she knew how to party or not, this was the story <laughs> she chose as evidence to the contrary. <laughs> Uh, well, as I said, you know, when 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 Russo dropped me off at the airport um, at 5:30 a.m. on Sunday morning, he was like, "I'm gonna go home and sleep. Just to, I still need to recover." And I said, "Who would have thought of the three of us? I'd be the bigger partier." Of I'm of calling him Matsuruso sticks from now on. That, that, oh, he would love that. He would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that could be the name of the episode. This is the most we've talked about the name of the episode on yeah. any episode. So um, struggled recently with episode titles. So, do you remember the guy who played T.H. Houghton? Um, oh, yes. And I just I just lost his name. Hang on. It was, uh, like, Robert P- Paskey or something? He's been in a million things, especially in the 90s. Yes. Robert Prosky. Um, what, what was it? Pro- Prosky, I'm Prosky. assuming? Okay. That, yes, that's that's what I meant. Um, Has he passed? Yes. He was... So, I immediately recognized him as um, uh, the judge from Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the remake of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Story. That's that was that's my first thought, so and then I'm he's also he's also in Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, he's he's the boss of the TV station. You're right. He's also you probably have you seen Last Action Hero? No, I'm looking at all these other movies and I haven't seen them. Never saw Christine. No, that's about the crazy minivan, right? <laughs> I think it's just a car. It's not a minivan. Oh, it's not but, a minivan. But now I want to make one about a killer minivan. Oh, at the time of his death, he was living in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Washington, D.C. There you go. Died in 2008. Oh, complications of heart surgery at Washington Hospital Center. Oh, that's too bad. That's a really good hospital. I wonder how their ham sandwiches are. <laughs> <laughs> do, we, do I need to like go on a tour of D.C. hospitals and tell you what the... Actually, I know one of people that work in medicine. I've Not with this healthcare... Healthcare... Oh, wait, he was also in System. Cheers. He was offered the role of Coach Ernie Pantuso on Cheers, but turned it down. Oh, that's probably good. And, uh, and later portrayed Rebecca House Father on the same show. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, but he did a lot of stuff in this kind of... He was just, like, the nice old man in this, like, real, like, mid-90s period, I feel like. I listened to a podcast called The Rewatchables, and they have... They, they give awards for TV shows, for movies that they rewatch for different people in them, and one of them is mm-hmm. the That Guy Award, where it's like, mm-hmm. you never really know the person, the actor's name, but you know everything else they've been in. It's like, oh, it's that guy from... Yeah. Wow, he's... Well, was... I feel like... Uh, Paul Giamatti was my that guy for, for a long, very time. long time. Like yeah. I was like, I love this guy, and he's just in random stuff. And now it's he's he's yeah, it's Paul Giamatti. 
Paul Giamatti. Um, that's my Paul Giamatti impression. <laughs> wow, he really built a life in D.C. He appeared in numerous productions at the Arena Stage in Washington D.C., which is a pretty popular theater here. Mm-hmm. He donated his papers to George Mason University, which is here in Northern Virginia. Who was George Mason, Ryan? History quiz. He's, uh, the inventor of the jar. <laughs> he was the first governor of Virginia. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> I didn't know. Because he's got a university him. named after him, correct? Yeah, George Mason. I figured he was a he was he was someone colonial times because I'm like I know him from DC. He's got something about him. Usually, it's around that that colonial period is when like like the revolutionary period is where a lot of those people are from. Is that when he's he was what time period he lived in? Uh, I'm sure because Virginia was a state in like kind of colonial times. So you must have been looking at something else and thinking something else because you were giving i oh, thought you were giving me yes, a look i'm of, sorry i'm not looking at you i'm looking at the rest right, of his right. filmography to see if there's anything else i mean he was in the scarlet letter and rudy i this episode was fine this was this was a fine episode for me so this episode more i enjoyed it more for it made me think who is the th houghton in my life where mm. like somebody who I've really wanted and made me think about my favorite books and everything and like who's somebody where I would just love to read one more book by them um and, and mm. I, I, obviously he's modeled after J.D. Salinger which then I fell down a rabbit hole of what's happened to J.D. Salinger spoiler he died nine years ago uh, but he was 91 when he died yeah I thought I, I think his career is after J.D. Salinger wasn't J.D. Salinger a really weird dude <laughs> Or is that just what they want you to think because he wrote Catcher in the Rye? I think it. I mean, I, I know he was reclusive. Yes. So I feel like it's. But so I, maybe no one knows. Um, mm-hmm. um, I did like the concept of a reclusive guy who just wasn't like a weirdo. Like this yes. guy was just a normal dude, and people always want to talk to him about this book. Well, and, and to just have one book. And so then it made me think of Harper Lee and To Kill a Mockingbird mm. um, and how. When Ghost Set a Watchman, I think, yeah, was the when that came out. When when did that come out? In twenty fifteen. So to say, last five years, I think. Yeah, yeah. and it was so poorly received. Um, it does like. Well, now what what do you think about that? Because I I spent the majority of this episode being kind of i think I, I sometimes i need to relax and just watch the episode but this one i'm like they're gonna screw this up for him and, yes. and i guess at the end they did but at the same time they brought him to a decision where he decided not to publish the book i thought they were gonna spill it. he's like let's get a cherry cordial i'm like they're gonna spill it all over the manuscript same. like i was waiting I was like, for that like, yeah gonna spill everything yeah i'm like they're gonna throw it in the fire that like i thought they were gonna destroy it and it's gonna, he's gonna be like well now the world will never know because you two screwed it up and it wasn't exactly like that mm. but so I guess I, I went off on more of a different tangent being like, like, like again, who's the T.H. Houghton in my life? Like, what, what would you mm-hmm. say your favorite book is? Uh, the Stand by Stephen King. Oh. Uh, there's The Stand and then Of Mice and Men by George Steinbeck. That's one I've read the most. I haven't read in a while. but John Steinbeck. Don't send us emails. We know it's John Steinbeck. Did I say George Steinbeck? Did. You know my favorite author, George, George Steinbach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my favorite book is um, a Tale of Two Cities, which, and see, like, you, you named um, The Stand, Tale of Two Cities, both by authors who've written a lot of other yeah, things. Yeah, 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 Stephen King has written almost too many books. Yes, um, and he's written really good, but you know what my favorite Stephen King book is, um, is, uh, granted, I've read very few Stephen King books, mm-hmm. um, Salem's Lot. I I don't like that one. I really, have to try it again. Really? I, just the, there's so many characters, and the character development is so good. Also, like, 
it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I think I expected, wanted it to be something else, and it wasn't that. And sometimes I have that problem with Stephen King stuff, but I have to give it another shot. You're like the the, the tenth person to tell me that, and I was like, I didn't, didn't do anything I actually, for me. I read that in school. That was a required like. No we read kidding. that in sophomore English. Yeah. The vampire one? It's the one It's the a vampire one. Vampires, one. yes. Where That's vampires crazy. Take over a, take over a town. Um, also learned a lot about vampires in that book, too. It was way before True Blood and Twilight. Um, but, and then I, so I kind of started thinking about, like, J.K. Rowling and how everyone mm-hmm. was so excited for whatever her next book was going to be. And so she started publishing under a pseudonym. And I, I just, I started thinking about how the, the pressure on authors to follow up some great yes. work. And I'll be honest, I'm. I think she's doing a a terrible. Like I think all of her the stuff that she keeps coming out is not great. So I, I haven't read any of them. I'm not against reading them. It's just like the. the I'm talking about the movies. Anything she, you know, her tweets are now canon in some cases. Um. Oh wait. So you don't like the, you don't like like the Fantastic Beast movies and stuff. I saw the first one and I thought about? it was fine. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm talking about like, the books. She's kind of like the casual vacancy, the cuckoo's calling. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about those. Those are pseudonym books. So, uh, casual vacancy she wrote, but um, like right. she, she, under her name. But cuckoo's calling is under the pen name Robert Galbraith. Um, I mean, speaking of Stephen King, that's what he did for a long time. Is he created Richard Bachman, and he had a bunch of oh. books he put out. Oh. Um, that it was it was a, it was a big thing where they figured out it was the same guy but it was it was his like shorter books and it was like I want to make sure that because Car- Carrie did really well mm-hmm. and he was like I want to make sure it's just not my name it's I can actually write this but he mm-hmm. wrote like The Running Man The Long Walk uh, he still writes books under Bachman and with the idea that it's like this is going to feel like not quite like mm-hmm. a Stephen King book yeah. but I think that's probably what J.K. Rowling I think that's partly why she started a pseudonym because I think a, the Cuckoo's Calling and stuff like that are are mysteries and mm-hmm. just a very different genre and she like doesn't want children to be like look it's another harry potter book when it's like actually a book for adults um the, the cuckoo's calling sounds like someplace you're gonna brag about going to in san diego next week <laughs> um it was the tipsy crow but oh sorry yeah that's right <laughs> that, 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 that could be its sister bar um but yeah i just i don't know i just i started thinking about like books that i've really liked but almost all the books that i've like loved actually you know what i'm just gonna pull up i hope you're okay with talking more about books um, i like books um, <laughs> that sounds like somebody like, who doesn't like books what they i say. like I books like, i like books just the concept of books just in general what are you reading right now um i just actually I, i'm rereading the seventh harry potter book because i have not read it mm. in a very long time but I, I read two books this week um which was a lot um one that I highly recommend called This Is How It Always Is. This which... is how it always is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was great. Um, a... It's about a family who they have five boys and then their youngest son decides he wants to be a girl. And it's kind of how the family like tackles mm. like that whole transformation. It's really good. Um, and then I read like a chiclet book that was like fine. Um, it was an easy read on a plane. But... Um, I've got like four books I keep kind of diving into and then starting over. What, what are what are you reading right now? What did you, give us some of those four books? I've got a Lonely Planet guide on the Greek islands because I've been playing a video game that takes place in ancient Greece. And Tara and I have decided that's going to be probably hopefully our next uh, vacation. Um, Wait, I'm reading. Pause. You know, yes. you know, I went to Greece four years ago. No, I, I did. Let's for my, talk for my thirtieth birthday. 
I have the best itinerary that I will share with you. <laughs> okay. Because we we looked my so my friend who came down from LA, she went with me on that trip. It was her and another friend of mine. Um and at the end of the trip we said, here is what we would do differently. Mm-hmm. And so we planned the perfect two week trip to Greece that we would tell people to go on. I think well, well I think we're gonna try and keep it mostly to the islands because mm-hmm. like I'm kind of like man on Greece like I, I'm just mostly like let's do a beach trip over and over again. Yes, 100% Athens. You don't need to spend more than like one or two days and just to hit the like Parthenon. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what that. we figured, and then just start going around. Uh, I'm reading Adam Savage's uh, book. I've started that. I've started a. I'm sorry, who's Adam Savage? Mythbuster. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know any of their names. I've started again. These are all books that I keep starting and then like going to another book and come back. Uh, I might have. Known. I, ha- I have an Agatha Christie esque mystery starring Doctor Who that I keep trying to get into that I got from we have one of those little libraries yes. down by our pool so I just I saw I was like oh I'll just grab this yeah folks th- if your neighborhood doesn't have a little lending library which they will just like mail you this little house looking thing on a pole and you can put it somewhere and it's like take a book leave a book mm-hmm. highly recommend them we have them all over in DC get into it and then I have Save the Cat writes a novel which do you know the Save the Cat thing no it was like this book someone did about how to write a screenplay and, and they say the heroes need to save the cat moment so you can establish them as the hero. It's like that, except it's writing a novel because I've been dabbling in the idea of writing a little more. Um, so, again, uh, mostly what it is is just, like, commitment books that I haven't yeah. gotten through. So Goodreads reminds me that I've been reading um, Dead Wake, the book about the sinking of the Lusitania, for three years um, and yes. have not made any progress on it. Okay, Laura, I have a challenge for us to finish a book we've been talking we have to spend five full minutes talking about Frasier <laughs> on our Frasier podcast I'm trying to remember a last the last time I've been so angry and disgusted with Frasier and Niles as I was when they pulled his manuscript out of his satchel and started really I even though I knew it happened because I've seen this episode before I was like <gasps> no I mean, it's, it's obviously a betrayal but at the same time I was like <laughs> you could see it coming a mile away I still, it's like, I was so angry at them. I was like, that's his private property. That is like, like, what makes you think you deserve to read that manuscript now? That didn't bother me at all. Now, Well, we see who has values. That's what I'm saying. I think in real life, I would have been like, no, but like, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't even think about it. I'm like, well, obviously they're going to get in there and read it. And I like that they liked it. Uh... I, I, I mean that 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 part. The thing that really I liked about this was the kind of Fraser and Niles uh, teaming teaming together, and like the idea of like they didn't know what a double header was, mm-hmm. and what was the other thing they did? Oh, when when his dad kept referring to them as stuff from Bonanza, and he's like, "You should really tell us who that is one day." Yeah, yeah. Did you know what what he was talking about when he was like Hoss and Little Joe? I, I did a little bit. I knew I I, I I don't I think I watched a little Bonanza on Nick at Night when I was a kid. But uh, I I, mom I also is, my mom is a big Bonanza fan, so I'm. Oh to, really? My mom was immediately like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think it's funny. I don't think we often see Frazier not understanding pop culture like he did in this episode. That's true. That's true. I I also enjoyed. I, I like it when this episode highlights Martin's good qualities of how yes, T. H. Houghton Houghton is this reclusive author and all people want to do is talk to him about his book and martin's just sees him as a guy yeah and it's like let's just i don't know we should talk about talk about guy things well he just rolls up to him next to a bar now here's something i wanted to talk about that's 
episode related, but not necessarily this. Have you ever just hung out at a bar and had people just talk to you like that? Like, so rarely for me. I mean, I think maybe when I was in D.C., but... So I'm trying to think of times when I would go to... The only times I'm thinking of is when I'm traveling for work, where if I'm traveling alone, I will, like, have dinner at the bar. Mm -hmm. And... So, yes, sometimes in that sense, it's like other business travelers and right, right, right. other people. Or you know. skeeves trying to hit on you because you're a pretty lady. That's, that's a, yes, that's, that's 100%. percent just fending them off. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, not really. There was, this is funny, I was not alone at the bar, but my friend Lindsay and I still are like, what happened with that? Like, how, You're how never do- alone when you're at a bar, are you, Laurel? It's, 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 it's true. You're, you're always You're home. always home. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, but my friend Lindsay and I were at a bar, um, we'd had dinner and we were like getting after dinner drinks and like, we were like facing each other, like not, not facing the bar, but like facing each other. And Lindsay was looking behind me and she's like, I'm sorry, but this guy like keeps staring very intensely at us. And this guy and his friends, which included ladies suddenly start talking to us and we're like, okay, like we're actually just like chatting with each other, but sure. We'll like chat with you or whatever for a little bit. And then the guy who had been staring very intensely somehow goes from like, sober to insanely drunk Uh-oh. and keeps coming over and trying to, s- to kind of like stand in the middle of us and there's like no space in between us and like keeps coming over and being like yeah wine and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> to the point that I happened to look across the bar and a guy friend of mine is there with some other friends and he came over to say hi to us really briefly and then I text him and I'm like this guy is really drunk and his friends aren't doing anything <laughs> help so basically he comes over and sits with us for like 30 minutes to like be the buffer. And then finally turns to one of the guy's friends and is like, Hey, get your dude under control. Like, I don't Like he needs to go home. Tara and I went and we were down on, we went to sixth street at like four 30 or we were down there for something. And then we decided yeah. to go grab a drink and uh, we were playing shuffleboard and there was like some college age, like two guys and two girls. And some this youths. one guy, do what some youths some youths and uh we were we were playing shuffleboard and this guy was like watching us and then he's like making fun of how bad i was i was like all right dude and then he just got up and just started playing he like walked over and i'm like did you want to play he's like yeah and i'm like all right so we started playing and he grabbed the girl he was obviously with and which i you know mark and katie katie you can do so much better He was like, and he was just yelling at her the whole time. He's like, Katie, don't screw it up. And she was doing better than him. Like she was very lovely. He was very plain looking. He was drunk and it was, he wasn't annoying, but he was like, I was like, if we were here like another hour, I could see hating this guy. Mm -hmm. But it was just so funny because Katie was, I thought Katie was very delightful. (laughs) She was very nice. Like she went over to the thing and she brought these two drinks, came over and gave him one. He goes, what the hell is this? She goes, I don't know. I just asked for something pineapple and delicious. And we're like, right on katie good for you katie <laughs> i hate pineapple so i would be like katie but but it was just but it was just like they were the only ones in this bar watching they were watching it was clear that like this dude and his girlfriend had in, like were like kind of trying to i can see the argument between the other two people who are obviously dating where it's like mark mark was who you thought katie should be with mark really like that's what it felt like you know yes yes like, we were at the bar, and he, like, put his arm around her and, like, really lean in for a kiss. And she was, like, like very deftly, like, no. Oh. <laughs> like, got out of the way. I was Katie. like, all right, well, we got to go. It sounds like Katie. um, Katie's on the right track. She knows how to handle a guy like that. She's not going to spend any more time with him. And she was really good at shuffleboard. They beat us, and mostly because of her. Tara's real good, too. 
it's, it's all that time terrace I'm just old people <laughs> well it wasn't stick shuffleboard it was <laughs> um all right let's rate this one let's get out of here okay uh, you know i'm gonna give this one seven satchels uh i'm gonna give it six uh, what was the name of the beer they got at the bar Did valentine's they valentine's, valentine's yeah. we, we've yeah. talked about valentine's on this before yeah, yeah. So they got two Valentines. I, oh, I gave it six Valentines, oh. but they got two <laughs> I was Valentines. Like, two Valentines. <laughs> no, I gave it six. It was fine. It was funny. It didn't really do a whole lot for me. It was nice seeing Robert Prosky because I like him. I did like the the very small subplot of Daphne and Eddie's warning system that they had. <laughs> yeah, to each other. Like yes, yes. Um, oh, I also like that bit where she comes in. She's like, "How dare you!" Like yelling. It was like, "This is. I can't believe. I can't believe your father would fall for it." And if I didn't have, if I didn't have, it's, it's like, I have nothing to do, so I'll have to be here to say him. She's like, oh, you can take the day off. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, you know, well, if, I fine. Had, if they had the day off, I wouldn't be here to tell him. Yes. <laughs> and if like, well, only, go you ahead. Know, well, what's a day off without some money to spend? I love that bit a lot. Yeah, I, I like, um, like that a lot. If you guys uh, have some thoughts on, oh, geez, any of the 9 million topics we've talked about today, send us an email at uh, craniacs at gmail.com. That's C-R-A-N-E-I-A-C-S. Uh, we are at Craniacs on Twitter. We're Craniacs. Is, we got a Facebook group. I'm starting to slow down now so Laurel can think of her recommendation this week. We are on Spotify, I iTunes. Like a million up here, and now I can't think of any of them. <laughs> Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, probably some other things. Leave us a good review. If you don't want to leave us a good review, Laurel has a suggestion for you. Not only leave us a good review, leave us a five-star review. Like, that's the only good review there is well yes i mean I, I sometimes like will give you know like oh like a book on goodreads four stars or whatever because that means <gasps> i that means like it was great um on itunes five stars or nothing else like anything less than five stars means like skip this podcast so you know don't don't do that um so if you were thinking of leaving us a less than five star review um I am about to, as I mentioned earlier, I'm about to embark on my, on a reread of the seventh Harry Potter book this year, starting towards the end of last year, I've been rereading the, the final four books, because um, those are ones I haven't read nearly as much as the first three. I just recommend rereading a book that you really enjoyed from your youth, um, or just younger. Um, I find that I react to Harry Potter very differently now as an adult than I did as a teenager and like early twenties when the books first came out. Um, different things hit me in different ways. I find different things more poignant. I find some things ridiculous. Um, and it's just almost like rediscovering a book all over again. So look back at, you know, what you used to put on Facebook as your favorite book and get, give it a reread if you, uh, if it's been a while and see, see how, you, what, what you think of it now. Well, I mean like when was the last time you read The Stand? Oh, it's been a while. That's also a thick one. That's what she said. I've got the unabridged. Floral. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're leaving now. Well, enjoy enjoy your reading assignment, Cranius. <laughs> yes. Please, uh, in two weeks, email us with what your uh, with your new thoughts on a favorite book. <laughs> and then in August, we'll enjoy your essays, what you did on your summer vacation. <laughs> yes. But until then, I'm Ryan. I'm Laurel. We're listening. Bye, y'all.